Good morning. Welcome to our service. Um, today's an exciting day as we think about the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to try in this pass or these passages I was and doing some other research I was struck with the term Easter versus the resurrection and though I'm not a hundred percent sure on the all the roots of the word Easter but as nearly as I can tell Easter is kind of derived from a pagan holiday and Christians took that term and kind of used it, um, kind of matched it with the resurrection, and then that's where we, why we call the resurrection Easter. And I was struck by just the importance of words and what they stand for, and the world around us is celebrating Easter, and that may have pieces of what we're celebrating but we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want to explore the resurrection story with you. I want to tell that story, and I want to acknowledge the reality that Christ physically died, and in and that same physical body rose from the dead, defeating death. And... Then I want to look at three groups of people who are in the resurrection story and how they responded to Jesus's resurrection. To start with, I want to ask a simple question of what do we mean by resurrection? And when I say resurrection, I'm referring to not only the soul or the spirit dying or um, being eternally raised, but also with Jesus, the physical body being dead and then that same body becoming alive again. And one of the things that struck me was if you talk to many modern-day professing Christians, they have no issue with acknowledging that their, their souls are going to continue after death. But they have a lot of trouble with this idea that Jesus physically died and then that same body rose again. And that's really sad to me because Paul says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, it, as now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. So I just want to start with just driving this home on how important this is to our entire faith and just acknowledging and realizing that Christ did physically 
die and did physically raise from the dead. Um, and we will, event, we will run into people who will push back on that. And we need to be very clear on that. So in this time of celebrating his resurrection, we also want to kind of have some of those basic foundations in place. So moving on to the story that we want to tell today. And if we kind of just backtrack, you know, repetition is good. Um, so we had the crucifixion, and then Jesus was laid in a tomb, and that tomb was sealed. And we're now on the third day, which would be Sunday, um, the, day that, the day after the Sabbath. And I just want to start by reading Matthew 28, um, and then we're also going to read Luke 24. And we'll just flow through those and then move on to um, the body of our sermon today. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for, for the fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, women, be not afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is gone before you to Galilee, where you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Immediately rolling into Luke 24, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Jonah and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them to be idle tales, and they did not believe them. 
But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking, he saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home and marveled at what had happened. So we have this account of discovering Jesus and his, in his resurrected state and, or in his resurrected body. And there were a couple things that just, as the story unfolds, that really struck me, and that is the power of God was revealed that way. And we often see this as when God reveals his true power, even those who don't want to believe can't deny it. Um, we see the guards paralyzed with fear. We see the women who are also fearful. And the earth around, there's an earthquake. Um, I feel like even the earth can't you know, not speak out to this power of the resurrection. Um, and then also just thinking about very consistent details on you know, different things, even though there's variation between the accounts. We have the consistency throughout. And it is just striking, if we would go through and read all four accounts, how there's variation because different people saw it, but there's not variation in the things that matter. And if you think about any eyewitness account, if you have all the same details by five different people, it's usually not accurate. It's a made-up story that everybody's gotten their details straight. But if you have variation, it actually confirms the validity of the story. And we see that here um, in the account. And one of the things that also, the other detail that is brought out is the linen clothing and the fact that it's laid on um, laid out on the slabs rather than scattered as if they had stolen the body, or if they had stolen the body, it would have been taken along with the body. So little pieces of detail in this are just very confirming, even though we do have to continue um, you know, taking the scriptures at its face value and just having faith. There always is that confirmation that helps us to believe in it. So next I want to think and spend the remainder of our time looking at three different responses. And those are, first off, the response of the guards. Secondly, the women. And then finally, well, we haven't gotten to it yet in the passage, the response of the chief priest and the elders. And these are three very different responses, and I think they all start with why the different groups of people are gathered. And so if we think about the guards, the guards have come or are at the tomb to protect a lie. And they're there to guard the tomb to make sure that nobody can break in. And, you know, to essentially keep Jesus, how ridiculous is that? Um, keep Jesus in the tomb. The women are there to worship Jesus and to show honor to him. And even though they're coming there not understanding 
that Jesus is going to resurrect or has resurrected, they're still coming with that attitude of showing honor and mourning for Jesus. And then, if you think about it, the worst side of all of these people are going to be the priest and the elders who are gathered to figure out how do they perpetuate a lie. And so as we walk through these different um, groups of people, I want us to think about which group are we following in. And, you know, we all want to identify with the, the women who are there to honor their Savior and how they responded. But I also do see that we will see people around us who are responding in these other two ways. And so I think it's, we can learn from all three of them. So. so first off, the guards. The guards were there to protect a lie. And when they were um, there, their only response left to the power of God was with fear. And in verse 8, and for the fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. So not only were they fearful, they were, it was such a high level of fear that they were paralyzed and they did not respond. And there's not a lot more detail to go into here other than when we are not coming for the right reason, that is going to be our response. Um, when we're, you know, there to, you know, we can be paralyzed with fear. And the fear of God will do that to us if we're not willing to, um, to acknowledge it and um, worship God. So, and then I also will point out, if we look forward, we'll see that the guards also continued to perpetuate a lie that the um, chief priest submitted to them and actually took bribes for that. So again, just that fear will lead you down the road of, um, that we don't want to go and is not going to be towards salvation. So the second group is the women. And as I said, they were there to honor Jesus. And we see them coming in verse, um, in Luke, taking their spices that they had prepared. And one of the things that I was struck with was different accounts have this as different amounts of spices. But between the time of him being put in the tomb and them coming with spices, it's some scholars would say up to 100 pounds of different spices and aloe and different, you know, things basically to honor the body so that there wouldn't be stench and smell um, associated with their Lord and Savior. And one of the spices that they had would have been aloe, which would have been imported all the way from India. So very costly. And they were coming to, you know, to show this honor and respect. And so that sets the stage for they show up and are initially hit by this same fear. It says, um, 
And, but the angels said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. And they, they initially were fearful. But then in verse 8, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. So along with that fear, there was joy. And that starts with we have to be joyful and rejoicing on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And then we also see action on their part. They immediately ran and spread the good news. So we have fear, which is the fear of God, and then joy, which is rejoicing that he is risen, and then finally action that they are going around and spreading the good news to the disciples. And it's also interesting, just the, the series of events here. I was struck with the disciples did not initially believe them. Um, in the account in Luke, they were told, um, they thought it was an idle tale. And I, you know, I, I thought, how, how did that make the women feel? Like, they're coming back excited, joyful, and then the men were like, well, just an idle tale. So maybe that's a little bunny trail, but um, maybe we should listen to women a little bit more in our lives because, um, yeah, I, this was not an idle tale. So, um, and then finally, I want to move on and just look a little bit at the response of the chief priests and elders. And they responded with fear, malice, and deceit. And if we look, continue in Matthew reading, it says, while they were going, behold, some of the guards went into the city and told the chief priests that all, all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ear, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. And this was probably the most sobering of all to me. The fact that the chief priest, when confronted with the truth, their response was to cover up the good news. And while I don't know for sure, it almost seems like they believed it. They believed that Jesus rose from the dead because they said, well, let's spread a lie that the disciples um, stole the body. So they believed this and paid money to the soldiers who then took the bribe. We were talking about that earlier. Um, they were now paid to protect a lie. And they covered up the most wonderful story that has ever been. Um, and it was just, it's a really sobering fact. And there are still people today who are perpetuating 
this same lie, and it has followed us all the way through history. And so I do come back to this question of where do I fall in this story and these responses? Um, and it's sobering when we think about it starts with why are we showing up? Why are we coming to, you know, to Christ? And we can be coming out of worship and adoration. We can be coming um, there to honor like the women. We can be coming to kind of serve ourselves as the guards were. And quite honestly, the um, chief priests and elders were doing the same thing. Or we can, and that is going to influence how we initially respond, it, respond when confronted to, with the truth of the resurrection. And we're going to close a little early, I guess, today. Um, so in conclusion, I'm, think, I'm just struck by Today, we want to rejoice in the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But how we respond is up to us. We can be paralyzed by fear like the guards and do nothing. Or even worse, we can be like the chief priests and elders who spread mistruth. Or we can be like the women who were fearful of the great power and glory of Jesus and fell down and worship him and ran to tell others what they had seen and learned. And I would invite you to rejoice with me today that we can say with Paul, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. So thank you for your time. And I also look forward to communion tonight that we can celebrate that. And um, I'll turn the time back to Dave.